0: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Somatic Hound podcast. If you don't know me, I'm your host, Leah. I live in Chattanooga, and I own Canine Movement Lab, a dog training business. And today I'm interviewing my sister, Theana, because she just got a new Puppy, and we've spent the past few weeks talking about puppy raising. <laughs> so, do you want to introduce yourself and your new puppy? Yeah, so
1: um, I'm Fiana and my new puppy is just turning, I believe, 12 weeks old tomorrow. He's a Rhodesian Ridgeback, and uh, he comes from a breeder in New York are called Kaz Kazini Rhodesian Ridgebacks. Um, the sire is actually from another breeder. So it was a collaboration and his name is Arrow.
0: Great. That's awesome. So the reason I was so excited about this puppy is because he's actually raw fed and naturally reared. And yeah. he... I don't think he's had any vaccines yet, has he? No, not any. And are you still, you're still raw feeding? I'm raw feeding. He's also getting,
1: uh, most of the treats are like dehydrated or freeze dried meats or liver treats. And then we are doing like uh, pizzle sticks and things like that, that are kind of like dried longer lasting treats. I got some dehydrated, uh, sweet potato chews. So those have been good, but yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep him on as clean of a diet as possible.
0: That's awesome. And he's growing so fast. He looks huge.
1: Yeah. He's getting big.
0: (laughs) Have you weighed him recently?
1: I haven't. I should, I would, I would, if I had to guess, I would say between 35 and, and 40 pounds.
0: Okay. That's pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, let's talk about um, you know, what was it like? However you want to start, like when you first picked him up or when you first got him home or what was that first week like and what were your main issues or questions?
1: Yeah, so we just completed week 3. I would say week 1 was the easiest cuz he was just so small and still really sleeping a lot. Um, so that first week I was really just focused on getting him outside enough to like get the house training off to a good start. Um, and our biggest challenge has been the biting phase, which he is still in and just figuring out the best way to manage that, especially as he gets bigger, um, And, oh, also crate training, which we started right away, like the the first night he slept in the crate. So we just, like, started that and have stuck with it, and it is already paying off um, so much. I mean, the crate, I would say, is the number one tool to managing him at this point.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I think when you were driving home, because you had, like, a five- or six-hour drive, and he was like yes. on the seat next to you but you had the crate in the car and we were talking on the phone and i was like make him ride in the crate a little bit so he'll fall asleep in the crate in the car
1: yeah which i did so the second half of the ride home which was quite a long ride he spent in the crate and he did sleep in there a little bit um so
0: It's hard when you first get them. Like, I don't think the breeder was crating him. So that was like brand new to him. And he was already like, what, almost 10 weeks old? Yeah, I think he was nine weeks old when I brought him home. Okay, so you've had him for three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah, but then, so how did that first night go? Because the crate is the biggest question people have. Like, why do I need to use a crate and how do I do it?
1: Um, I mean, the first night he was crying, the first few days he was crying a lot just because of the separation from his canine pack. Um, But he also was tired, so he, he cried and then eventually fell asleep. I just kind of slept in the living room so that I could be in the same room with him while he slept and be aware if he like woke up and needed to go out for a potty break. And yeah, I mean, he cried a little bit, but he was so tired that he just slept in there. So.
0: Okay, great. And so the crate has helped you with the house training, because like when he's in the crate, he'll let you know when he has to go to the bathroom.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're still sort of in a phase where I'm taking him out frequently enough that he doesn't really ask to go out. But I know if he's in the crate that he will not have an accident in there and he hasn't had any accidents in there. So I can leave him in there and not have to worry about
0: it. Awesome. Yeah. That's the main point is that he's keeping the crate clean. And also, I want to say like, you can't leave a tiny puppy like that in a crate for like eight hours. I think you're taking out every three or four hours.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Except he is sleeping overnight in the crate, isn't
1: he? Um, some nights. Like last night he did great. His last potty break was at 9.30 p.m. And he woke up this morning and needed to go out at 4 a.m. And I, my goal this week is to have him, because he gets up at 4 a.m., put him back in the crate after he pees and get him to go back to sleep for at least another hour because I want to get him more on my sleep schedule, which would not typically be starting
0: the day at 4 a.m. <laughs> yeah, most of us don't like to do that unless we really have to. Yeah. Some people like to get up at four, but I don't. But honestly, my dogs kind of naturally wake up at four and and we do breakfast and potty breaks and then I go back to bed and yeah. they go back to bed. So right. that's also because I go to bed pretty early and like they have their last potty break at like eight. So I'm like, okay, well they slept till 4, right? And then I'm pretty good about being able to get back to sleep, so I've kind of given into their kind of natural wake up at 4 and because Eva's so much older now, I don't think she can really hold her pee as long. Right. Yeah. So I don't want to push that and make her really anxious. Um I think she has a tiny bit of doggy dementia. And sometimes she doesn't come and get me when she needs to go to the bathroom, which is kind of weird. Right. But um, Anyway, yeah, you want to kind of put him on your schedule as much as you can. The crate prevents yeah. the house, uh, prevents the accidents in the house. And then did you try using the puppy play pen for a little bit? I did. I actually tried using it
1: again this morning. So we did our breakfast routine, which is we go outside and use his breakfast to run through some obedience stuff and then um, came back inside and he still had some energy and partially because I project onto him that like, he doesn't want to go back in the crate yet. So I put, I was like, we'll try it in the playpen. And all his toys are in there and his water's there and he's all set. And I gave him basically like 10 minutes to try to like figure out how to settle himself in the playpen. Like I literally set a timer and by the end of it, he jumped up on the playpen, knocked it over, scared himself, recovered from like being scared and then started to just kind of get worked up. So I was like, okay, this is time. Now you really need to go in the crate. And then he slept for like two hours in the crate.
0: Oh, good. Perfect. Yeah.
1: I also have this sort of realization this morning during that episode, i was thinking about like because I've been using the crate as also a timeout when he gets mouthy, but I was realizing that it's also almost like a swaddle for a baby. Like if you just leave him loose in a big space, he can't necessarily manage himself and putting him in the crate just like really helps him mentally to like settle.
0: Yes, that's perfect. Like they don't know at this stage how to self-regulate. Although you did send me a picture. I think it was even in the first week where like he went to the crate to settle himself. Yeah. He does that from time to time. Like if you just leave the crate door open, sometimes he'll go to the crate when he needs some downtime. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he is learning, but that's the perfect analogy. Like if the puppy has too much freedom, too much space, they can't self-regulate. They're like a little kid. Who's always going to choose more stimulation Right, and I think that's something that you and I talked about this week is that um a lot of the biting that gets really bad is when he's overtired, overstimulated, and that's kind of yeah. how you know, okay, he's done, like he needs a nap,
1: right, and it's almost counterintuitive because when he gets like that, I'm like, oh my God, look at all this extra energy he has. He must need more exercise, but it's actually that in that moment he needs the downtime.
0: Yes. It's very tricky because it's the opposite. It's like, oh, he's acting crazy because he's overtired. Right. Not it's like he a still kid. has energy. So it's really hard for people because they're worried they're not doing enough. And this is with all dogs also, not just puppies, but they think the dog hasn't had enough exercise or enough attention or enough stimulation. And most times, if it's the type of person who's worried about that, they're actually doing too much. Right, right. So like even your play sessions outside that are like 30 minutes, I think we talked about like, maybe we need to put a cap on those sessions at like 20 minutes before he gets super zoomy and crazy.
1: Yeah, so I did, I I practiced that this morning. I set the timer and it went off and he was still like, he had finished his breakfast and I was just kind of like, Holding the leash, but letting him just explore kind of on his own terms, sniffing around in the woods a little bit and um, whatever he kind of wanted to do. And then as soon as he started to get like kind of jumpy and like spastic, then I was I was like, it's time to go inside. I'm just going to like nip this in the bud before he turns that onto me and like starts chewing on me.
0: Right, that's perfect. So you're learning his cues when he's starting to get a little wacky. Yeah, uh, that means he's done. Like he's ready for some downtime, some crate time. I guess he's too because he's a large breed dog, the play pen is kind of not working out just because he's already huge. Yeah. So it would need to be a
1: stronger structure.
0: <laughs> yeah, you would you'd have to like build something like a Which I might say, like, if somebody had a small kitchen or a mudroom, like, a gate across, like, a smaller room that had tile, like, that could be a puppy playpen for a large breed. Right. Or something like that. Um, Yeah, we talked about
1: doing that because there is a mudroom, and that's where we put the playpen. Um, But since we're moving out soon, I didn't want to, like, install something. Exactly, right.
0: Yeah, so... so There's always like an alternative just because people might not realize a Rhodesian Ridgeback is going to be like a 90 pound dog. So that's why at three months he's already ginormous. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I think, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, don't correct or discipline for the mouthing, but just give him like a timeout or downtime in the crate. Because a lot of times when that gets out of control, it's because he's ready for a nap anyway. Yeah. And, um, uh, I'm going to post some links in the description to that collared scholar article on bite inhibition. I think that's super, super important not to physically punish the dog when they're just still a baby and they're just really mouthing and they don't even know what they're doing. Do you right. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then, I think the other key thing that you're doing is like you're hand feeding a lot of his meals and using those as training times. So do you want to explain yeah that?
1: Yeah. So literally every meal is hand fed. And um I'm having him drag, like he has a light 10-foot uh cotton leash. So it's nice and light. It doesn't like weigh him down at all, but he drags that. We're really fortunate where we are right now. There's a large Field adjacent to our yard, so we just walk out into the field, um, and I break off bits of the food. It's kind of like a, it's a ground up, you know, raw meat and everything else. So I can make little meatballs with it, and I just hand feed it to work on.
0: He's getting really good with
1: healing, um, sitting, and then we also use it to practice name training and recall. And then usually the last little bit of food, will do a little bit of push for food um, with the last bit of it.
0: Awesome. Great. Yeah. I'm going to just say, I think that's all perfect. Some people who follow me follow NDT, which is natural dog training really strictly. And they are under the impression or follow the guidelines of Kevin that you shouldn't do any training with a puppy. And so, like, I have changed that in my training method, like, just from uh, studying other trainers and working with puppies. Like, I think the sooner you can get them trained, the better, because those are like really critical imprint periods. Mm. And you want to lay that foundation. I'm not saying to do anything super strict, and you don't want to train the dog, like, to where they're getting overtired or stressed out we're doing all positive stuff with him hand feeding everything's with food I don't know if you've even started putting commands or if you're still just shaping things I'm just shaping things with the food yeah and
1: he's so he's so food motivated with that raw food that like he'll pretty much do anything to get at it and it, it usually takes like between five and ten minutes to finish the meal, and then I just kind of pick up his leash and let him mill around the field however he wants to, um, to do his business and you know, explore and find deer poop and things like that.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. So we're not like drilling this puppy and treating him like he's a working dog, like he has plenty of free time. He is gonna be a pet dog, he's yeah. gonna be your house dog. We're not trying to stress him out by just training him all day. He has plenty of freedom to, like you said, sniff, explore, socialize to your environment. Um, I think that was another thing we were going to talk about is like the myth of socialization that people take their puppies, their young puppies who, especially like right now, we think he's in like a bit of a fear period. Like I suggested not over socializing, especially in this developmental phase so do you want to talk about what you have done for socializing yeah so
1: I have brought him into the city which our city is Portland um just once and that was more because I wanted to bring him to my office which um is actually not an overwhelming environment because there's only one other person that works there with me and it's very quiet um, so he had a lot of quiet time in the office, but I did have to take him into the dog store cause I needed to get food. And I just, he stayed close to me naturally because he is a little timid right now. And he is naturally timid with other dogs. We were fortunate that all the adult dogs that were in that store were really respectful. They were being kept under control by their owners so he didn't actually even meet any other dogs he just was in the space with them observing them um and like i said fortunately they were all really appropriate uh be- behaving and same thing with people like he will approach someone and sniff them if they're kind of not paying attention to him um so i'm not like i'm trying not to have him feel pressured to interact with other dogs or other people.
0: That's perfect. Yeah. The my main goal is like let's just get them through these fear periods without having anything traumatic happen, like right. I don't want another dog to attack the puppy. That's probably the worst thing that could happen. Or just like I know you brought him downtown, but you really just brought him into your office and into that little independent pet store. I think you said it was fetch, which is a really yeah. small store. It's not like a pet co or something. Right. Um, and then, like you said, you weren't really forcing interactions. You were just kind of letting him do what he was comfortable with. Right. And, um, so the number one thing I would say with puppies is like, don't take them to a dog park. They don't need to be at a farmer's market. They don't need to be approached and pet by like a hundred different people. I think you noticed even in your office, like when your male colleague, or maybe it was your boss tried to like reach over your cubicle or yeah. partition, he got scared. Yeah. Yep. But then he had a really positive experience with a female that was in your office, right?
1: Uh, it was a postal worker that happened to be walking down the sidewalk and she asked if she could say hi to him and, and, um, he responded really positively to her and was appropriate in greeting her and everything. So that was a positive interaction.
0: Great. That's perfect. So I'm not saying like, don't socialize them at all, but I think people over socialize the puppy either gets overwhelmed or they have a bad experience, um, or they just feel too much pressure. And and then, and then their predictive programming is like, oh, every time I see a stranger, it's going to come and pet me. And if it's a stranger that they aren't comfortable with, then they're going to get defensive or reactive. Um, so I think protecting the puppy's natural temperament and their natural resilience by just making sure they don't have bad experiences is really, that's the most important thing with the puppy. Um,
1: yeah. And I'm trying to make sure in all of these scenarios that he feels like he has the ability, even if he's on the leash to somewhat like retreat, if that's what he feels like he needs to do.
0: Yes. Um,
1: so, yeah.
0: Yeah. So we don't push them into fight or flight. Um, I think those are kind of the main points other than just keeping things calm in the house. how has that gone? That's gone well. It's been
1: just Nathan and I in the house for the past two weeks. So we've really been able to keep things low key. Um, Fozzie is coming back tomorrow. He is a six-year-old Pomeranian. So he has a little bit of that little dog energy. Um, So it'll just be, I mean, we're, we're basically just going to keep them separated and know that it's going to be a little bit of a noisier week because when the puppy barks or whines, uh, Fozzie barks in response, but just making sure Fozzie doesn't feel harassed by the puppy and
0: Right. Especially now that
1: he's a lot bigger, he could like really overtake Fozzie with his size.
0: Yeah. So that's the other, that's the flip side is like, we want to protect the puppy, but also puppies can be insanely overwhelming for older dogs. So like, if you do have a multi-dog household, like it's really important to understand it's okay to keep the dogs separate. Yeah. Especially inside. Um, it's different if they're outside and they're free to run around and play and whatever. But in that compressed space, you don't want to put too much pressure on either one to like interact and like the situation you have where Fozzie is tiny. How much does Fozzie weigh? He's like
1: 12 or 13 pounds.
0: Okay. So your puppy's already like three or four times the size. Yeah. He's a lot bigger. So in that case, we really need to protect Fozzie from having mm-hmm. a bad experience and being stressed out. Um, right. Okay, cool. I'm trying to think, were there any other main points or is there anything else you think is important to let people know? Um,
1: well, in our conversation yesterday, we talked about Zoomies. Mm-hmm. And I had prior to that sort of, Um, interpreted zoomies again as, Oh, this dog has extra energy to burn. Like obviously he hasn't had enough exercise. Um, but then you informed me that that's not really what it is.
0: Zoomies to me are the dogs overstimulated or they're burning off excess like fear energy that's been aroused in their sympathetic state like fight or flight so zoomies are flight mm-hmm. um in a puppy I don't think he's experienced necessarily anything traumatic where he's like having a flashback or has that excessive fear residue but I think it's just he's overstimulated and he doesn't know how to manage or regulate himself <laughs> so right like a kid having a tantrum or something.
1: Right, right. And then I started thinking, I wonder if wolves ever have zoomies. And I was like I don't know. That's kind of an interesting thing to think about, but probably not.
0: I'll have to research that actually. Um like in the wild, it would I would think
1: that like that would just be an unnecessary waste of energy that they should use For hunting but
0: yes they typically store up all their stress and then express it in the hunt right because that's what their survival depends on I will say zoomies aren't always fear like that's just my speculation that a lot of times it is a fear response because it does look a lot like flight and like my Mm. dogs always get the zoomies after they get a bath well they hate getting bathed but they have, right. to, I mean, I hardly ever wash my dogs, but when I do, they get the zoomies because they've been restrained, confined, sprayed with water, and right. afraid of what's gonna happen to them in the shower. You know what I mean? Right. Some dogs do just zoom when they play with other dogs. I still think that could be a fear thing. Right. Um, Another time they zoom is after a bowel movement. Yeah. Some dogs. Yes. Yep. And I think from studying with Kevin, that could actually be bringing up memories of the mother dog, like stimulating them to go to the bathroom. Mm. And then if the Mm -hmm. mother was also kind of like a bully to them, they're like kind of reliving some traumatic childhood or puppyhood. Right. Or like like I said, Zoomies aren't necessarily always about fear. Um, So it could be they just feel good because they've relieved some pressure. Um, But a lot of people, I don't want to get too in the weeds here, but a lot of people think it's good for the mother dog to correct the puppies, to teach them their place. But like a lot of female dogs will actually they're kind of abusive towards the puppies if they overcorrect. Yeah, it's like a mean mommy. Yeah, so I don't like to let older dogs teach my puppy boundaries if they're doing it inappropriately, like a little snap or snarl or something is like, okay. But if your puppy's being pinned or experiencing a lot of fear because the older dog is scaring them and you think they're just correcting them I feel like that can create a lot of issues yeah Um, I don't think you have that problem with Fozzie because he's so little right
1: yeah no Fozzie so that first week that we had Arrow home we did have Fozzie and we would try to let them be together in the living room and the puppy would kind of like approach very like Pouncy with the front legs and Fozzie basically would like make growly gremlin sounds. But then like, he really was just always retreating. And Nathan was kind of like, I don't know. I think maybe that's how Fozzie plays. And I was like, well, possibly, but also if you watch them, like Fozzie never initiates it. So that makes me think he's not really having fun. Right.
0: Right. And so that's a case where you actually have to protect your older dog because it yeah. is so tiny and it it sounds like he's a little bit scared of the puppy, right? Typically your puppy would be smaller. I th- I think in most situations the puppy's smaller than the older resident dog. And so you have right. to protect the puppy. Um like I just remember how Sophie was with puppies And she literally never corrected them. Mm. They could like chew on her legs and do anything to her. And she just wouldn't. Yeah. Correct. And it's kind of like, that's actually the best thing. And it sort of brings us back to like, what do we do when puppies get bitey? Like the best thing is to remain neutral. Mm -hmm. Don't squeal or scream or act like you're in pain because for a lot of dogs that just gets them more excited even though I have read that as advice on the internet Um, you don't want to get angry you don't want to physically discipline the dog but like now that he's getting older and he is actually hurting you when he bites like we also don't want to let it go on and on like I'm not saying you have to stand there and just let the dog chew on you
1: Yeah. So one thing that I try to be super self-aware of is when he gets into that episode, keeping my own energy just so low and grounded, like as I'm bringing him to his crate and putting him in the crate and just like closing the crate and walking away. And sometimes I'll say something like, no, thank you. You need a timeout, but it's almost better if I don't say anything Um, But I just really try to keep my voice like flat regardless.
0: Yeah, it's just totally neutral. It's like, we don't want to let that behavior go on and on. And like, we don't want to let him rip holes in your jeans and stuff like that. (laughs) Even though I know you've tried to redirect him to the toy, but when he gets like in that state, you're saying he just goes back to your pant leg. He just goes back to me. Yeah. So... In that case, you really just have to start preventing the behavior and putting him in the crate is the way to prevent that from going on and on. And so that's all you can do. And also you don't want to be angry and like shove him in the crate because then he's going to hate going in the crate. Like you've kept right. it super neutral so he doesn't feel like it's a punishment. It's just like, no, we're not doing that. Right
1: yeah, so I think, as each day, I mean, he's developing at such a rapid rate. It's like each day he's almost in like a new phase of development, and each day I'm like a little bit smarter about how to handle him and read him. So, yeah, I think now that I know I should just put him in the crate as soon as I start to see the signs that he's escalating, yeah, so think- I'm looking forward to making progress on that this. This next week,
0: great. And is he still sleeping in the crate overnight?
1: Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Always. Okay. Perfect. And yeah. he put, he happily goes in the crate at night, like he. Oh. And then he, if he's in there sleeping, and I'm thinking, oh, he needs one more potty break because obviously the later I can get him to pee, the later he can sleep in. It's like sometimes a struggle to wake him up and get him to go outside for that last pee break because he's like so zonked out.
0: Every puppy I've had that I've crate trained, they end up loving their crate. Yeah. And then what you have is you have a dog that like at a year old doesn't even need to be crated. Right. Where like the opposite is true. Like if you give the puppy too much freedom in the house and they're constantly chewing on things they shouldn't chew on and peeing in rooms, like they'll sneak away to pee in a room where you aren't. Right. You know, like they'll get away from you and hide to pee or poop. Then you have a dog who is not housebroken, chews on things they're not supposed to. And then later on, they're going to have behavioral problems and you're going to have to use the crate anyway. Right. If you want to yeah. fix the problems that have come up. So I think it's easier if you can just like tough it out, even though it's sad putting a little baby puppy in there and listening to them cry. But is it
1: really just like a few minutes? Yeah. If you really pay attention to it, it's like a maximum of 10 minutes that he'll cry. Right. And then he's usually just asleep. So yeah, I would say the crate is probably the most important thing for any puppy and any breed and yeah the first few weeks are hard but it just your future self will thank you so much for like getting through that struggle with the crate he's barking right now
0: (laughs) oh I can't even hear him is he in the crate now
1: yeah he's downstairs
0: Okay. Well, we can wrap this up. I think we hit all the main points. And, uh, if people have questions, they can, I think I'm going to post this on YouTube. Um, they can comment on the YouTube video or they can email me all the resources will be there. And we are planning to make some puppy training videos when I come to Maine in a couple of weeks. So, I do want people to know that they should subscribe to my YouTube channel if they want to see the puppy training videos. Yeah. And I think that's it. Thank you. Thank you. This is awesome. This is fun. Yeah. All right. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.